It is Canuck Central on Sportsnet 650. Satyar Shah with Bik Nazar. And as always, brought to you by Grip Auto and Tire. Quality service you can trust in 14 locations to serve you. You can always get in touch with us on our, on our text inbox, 650-650. We are coming to you live from the Kintech studio, Kintech Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 1,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at Kintech.net. We are going to be joined by our good friend, Irfan Gaffar, from the fourth period in a couple of minutes, and we'll dig into the latest around the Vancouver Canucks. The Brock Besser situation, which is still ongoing. Uh, will he get traded? His camp has been given granted permission to seek a trade on it with a different team pick so we'll see if that gets gets them anywhere it's gonna be one that uh, i think uh takes some time yes now does that mean there's been does that however mean that there hasn't been any sort of headway maybe there has been some headway because i do believe the agent has been hard at work since being granted permission to see if they can find a fit on a different team and to talk about that we have Irfan gaffar on line earth what's happening man What's going on, fellas? Oh, you know, another day talking Canucks, talking trades, the Brock Best situation still. Maybe, I mean, there's so many topics we can talk about dominating uh, the discussion points when it comes to the Vancouver Canucks. But the Brock Bester one was, of course, the big one coming off the weekend. The agent and his camp have been granted permission to seek a trade. Has there been any headway done on that front, you think? Uh, I think, you know, when you look at from Brock's standpoint, like you mentioned, obviously his agent's been given permission to talk to teams. Um, I'm pretty sure he's, he's talked to quite a few, uh, to be completely honest. And Vic, I heard you saying that, you know, it's probably going to be a little bit difficult. Well, yeah, because the Canucks, they don't want to retain any salary. I think mm-hmm. that that's probably the biggest thing. And in order to make that deal, I think other teams would probably, you know, that have already been contacted would love the services of Brock Besser, but just maybe not at his cap hit. So this is one that, you know, could, could, could take a little bit of time here as, as we head into obviously the holidays and then into the new year, but um, nothing imminent right now on, on that front. And, you know, obviously you got to mention, cause he scored last night, uh, same with Bo, right. I'm mean, nothing new on contract situation. Um, nothing new when it comes to trade talks on that front as well. So right now it's pretty quiet and yes, what the weekend was and things that happened and how everything transpired, um, it's really Vancouver Canucks. If you, if you, if, if you look at it, it's a very Canuck thing to happen. But um, as far as they're concerned right now, you know, Ben Hankinson is, is he's doing his job to, to try and see if they can facilitate a trade, but um, definitely nothing imminent because teams right now aren't looking to, aren't looking to take any money back unless the Canucks, uh, are willing to retain. I, I just don't see anything getting, getting done anytime soon. It's it just so fascinating too. And I, I say this all the time for you know Canucks fans that, engineer trade ideas and like you have to remember that the trade market doesn't just surround Vancouver right everyone's trying to go after everything and if if someone says hey okay we we can come to an idea about Brock Besser and it's going to cost x y and z whatever it is it's also played against like what a team can also get elsewhere if they go say hey what if we try to go get a UFA instead of an RFA player that has two more years? Or what if we can get an RFA that has an expiring, we can sign him to a deal that we like instead of the contract that the Canucks gave Brock Besser? So that's why I kind of echo why it's going to take some time because it's about the entire marketplace, not just a trade that a team can, can craft for Brock. Well, of course. I mean, every market, everyone thinks that their players and and, mm-hmm. and, and teams are, everyone wants their players and teams. But, you know, you've seen people coming up with, with rumors about, you know, the, the Calgary Flames. I don't think the Canucks want to trade within the division. Uh, I, I don't, but, you know, stranger things have happened. Um, and, and how does the deal work there? Like, mm-hmm. like you just mentioned, it, it's hard, right? 
Um, and then obviously there's the connection with the Minnesota wild. Um, I, again, don't think that they want to take on that much salary for, you know, a, a player that's not going to come in and, and be the guy right away per se, but you know, but Bester's a very good hockey player, um, you know, and he's, and he's come alive in the last couple of games here as he's, you know, with, with everything that's happened, but um, it's, it's not easy. And especially around this time too, right. You know, as we get into mid December here, like GMs are making trades. There's that, you know, quote unquote code that, you know, you don't trade around the holiday season. So does something happen in the new year? Do things pick up right around, you know, the first couple of weeks of January, probably, but as of right now, yeah, like I mentioned, nothing, nothing really crazy going on. Well, and you know, like we, we talked about this on the show last night a little bit, but and it's not necessarily just has to be retained. Like it's about taking money back. Like what the Canucks have to do in order to get the asset they want, at least if they want to make that trade now. And that's why, honestly, Earth, maybe the best time to make a better trade is the off season, and you know, when there is more cap space around, so you don't have to be in a position where you're taking something back you don't want to take back. But if you're not taking back, if you're not holding back retaining salary, then you have to take back some sort of a contract. So. Do you take back a player making two million, say next season or something, and that way, hey, you know he's owed he's owed twelve twelve point three million uh, for the next for the next couple of years. So if he's if he's if he's getting close to thirteen million, and somebody you take back somebody making two million next season, well, all of a sudden you're talking about Bester being worth about ten million total, five million per season, and that would work. So I think. What the Canucks would like to do if they had to take money back is take back a player who has a year left, and that way maybe be able to get that second-round pick or something that they want to get back in return. Because I don't think they have any interest, Earth, to just give him away right now for nothing. No, absolutely not. You gotta, you gotta try and get something back, whether whether it's picks or or, or another player or something like that. Look, Buck's a young hockey player and he's a good hockey player. You're just gonna give up a good hockey player for nothing. And yes, I know we all know that you know a, a change of scenery and and whatever and and. Is, is probably in the direction that it's going to go for Brock, but that, like you mentioned, Scott, it's not necessarily needing to happen right away from the Canucks' point of view. Like, they could wait if they don't have the right deal and if they don't want to uh, retain any salary. It's something that definitely, conceivably, they don't have to do it until next season or, or, or the off season. So we'll see what happens. It's, it's, it's a fascinating conversation to have. And, you know, the, the unfortunate part about it is now that, you know, he obviously he's playing. He's and he's on the. He's playing with Elias Pettersson now, mm-hmm. and he scored the other night. It's the attention's not going to go away. Like this is going to be something that you know it's going to keep. It's going to keep happening. It's going to be keep coming up, and, and until there's a resolution. So, um, if that resolution takes the next six months to whatever, it, it's going to be one that the Canucks are going to have to live with. And, and I imagine this was got to be so frustrating for Brock too, because you come into the season and you kind of want a clean slate to the season after what happened last year. And okay, the usage hasn't really been there. The production's kind of been up and down and, and certainly defensively he's had his issues it is, is maybe, you know, this season been more about the, 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 the usage or just that, that this is kind of hung over him and, and, and his playing opportunities. Cause they brought in a McKay and a Kuzmenko as well to take over some roles that he has traditionally been involved in. Yeah, it's a, I mean, it's a tough situation for Brock, right? You know, with the way the offseason went for him and everything that happened with him and his family. And then, you know, you don't get off to a good start, right? And then you're on the verge of being healthy scratched and then you're not. And then you have to come back in and play and then you score a goal and then you have to do all these interviews. And it's just, there's a lot that's happened in the last little while. Look, I, I think that 
a lot of players, you know, you, you're a professional first, right? That, that, that's your job. And, and Brock's been trying. And it's unfortunate he's just going through a slump where he's not playing his best hockey right now. You know, yeah. everyone wants to say what happened to that Brock Besser, the guy with the crazy wrist shot, the guy could, that could score it well. You know, he was, he was up for the rookie of the year, um, you know, very early on in his NHL career. So uh, I, I think that, you know, there's a couple injuries with Brock that, that have really hurt him. I think it was a back injury a while ago when uh, he got hit by Cal Clutterbuck. I think he hasn't been the same player since then. And I also think the, the, the wrist issue, I think it's been something that's been bugging him for a while. And it's obviously, it's obviously you can, you can see it, right. He just doesn't have that, doesn't have that, you know, velocity on his shot anymore, but he's still a very serviceable hockey player. Um, mm-hmm. He still can, he still makes your team better when he's on it. Um, right now he just has to find, you know, he just has to find where, he thinks that he needs to get better. Yeah, and we'll see, you know, if Brock Besser can get on a roll the rest of the season. Because if he can, and then you get in, let's say they don't make a trade, but he plays well down the stretch, it makes it a lot easier in the offseason to try to yeah. find a taker as well. So it might take a little bit longer on Besser. Because I think with Garland, for instance, I don't think, I mean, yes, I mean, they want to get value on all the guys that are looking to trade. But I don't think the desire to get value on Garland is the same as on Besser. Because I think they look at Besser and say, we're trading him at a low and he's going to go somewhere else and play well. And we're going to not say regret it necessarily, but we're going to look back and say, Hey, we could have got more if we waited. I'm not sure that same sense is there on a Connor Garland type of trade. No. And, you know, we've talked about it here for a few weeks now, Sad, it's, you know, the Canucks probably going to have to take an L somewhere on a trade. Right. And that might be the one. I I think if they could find someone to trade with for Connor Garland, um, right now, they, the Canucks have or would have made that move. It's just to get the um, money but, off the books, essentially. Yeah, it's just to get the money off the books, right? And obviously, he scores the other night too. So it's just stock prices are stock prices are soaring here in Vancouver. <laughs> um, but uh, look, I think that that's no secret as well either. Like I think that's one of them that that you look at and say, okay, you know, it kind of came into last season around the deadline where his name kind of came up, and then even into the off season when the Canucks were trying to make moves as they were to improve this hockey team and nothing really ended up happening. So this is the team that they came in with this season. And, you know, I think that now it's up to Jim Rutherford and Patrick Alvin to, to try and improve it. But it's just, it's like we've said before, it's just not easy to make deals right now. Yeah. And I, I just curious too, if like how much the, the Horvat thing kind of goes into everything, right? Cause it feels like every conversation we have, it's well, you know, the Horvat one has the, 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 the most pressing deadline as far as March 3rd, like, if, if Brock can't get moved prior to March 3rd, well, you can do it in the offseason. There's still two more years left in the deal. How much is every conversation surrounding this team right now, whether it's internal or external, and other teams looking in, involve Bo Horvat right now? Oh, I mean, first and foremost, he's your captain. He's, your, he's got 20 goals this year, right, in 26 games. I, I, I mean, he's well north of whatever they offered him a, a while ago. Um so I think for both, from, from both sides, it's okay. If you guys want to negotiate with us, this is what we're starting at, and we're not, going any, we're not taking anything less. So from the Canucks point of view, it's like, okay, well, we just got to keep letting him do his thing right now. And he is going to do that, and that hopefully drives up his, his trade value as, as we head on into you know, the, where the deadline is. Um, but, yeah, it's going to be difficult to, re- to re-sign Bo Horvat here unless they move money. Right, unless you can get rid of Brock's contract, or you, or you can try and move a guy like Tyler Myers, which also is going to be a difficult contract to move, or just getting the money off the books for a guy like Connor Garland. Right? Um, don't think OEL really wants to go anywhere. 
to be completely honest. So I don't think that they're even going to try or have tried there. But um, yeah, it's it's an interesting one, and it's one that's it's near the top. But you know the and you look at Thatcher Demko too, right? Him being out for six weeks. Um, what's their plan there, mm-hmm. and what was their plan even before? That's a whole other conversation that that's being had in that, in um, in those in those meetings. Yeah, and you know the bow stuff too. You're right. I mean, with the way the contract stuff is going, like, even if they wanted to keep them, there's a number that they don't want to go above. We don't know what that number yeah. is. I don't think they. I, my guess is, and we talked about this last week. If you give them the JT Miller contract, that's maybe as far as Vancouver would go. Like if they go far, at I think it's eight times seven or seven times eight. Maybe bring the AAV down and go an extra year. But I, I don't see Vancouver going above that. And no, even that, even, so. and even that, they may not even want to go to fifty six. Even like I'm not even sure they want to go to that. But I don't. I don't think they're going above that. No, I don't think so either. I agree. I think if they were willing to do it, or or something like that was in the works it would have already have happened yeah to be honest right like why does both say no to to to, to that kind of money so it's now it's now they're in tr- i mean they're not really in trouble it's gonna get a double-edged sword you're not gonna be able to resign him and you hope that he plays as well so he drives his trade value up and you hope there's a team i mean yeah it's really easy to look and point at the colorado avalanche right now because obviously they have so many players hurt that say okay well are they gonna give up x y and z for horvat probably not well, and, you know, it, it, it's just tough. You brought up Colorado. We were talking about Colorado a bit earlier, and we're going to talk a bit more about you know teams that could work as destinations. But I think it's you know we, we've heard what Vancouver is looking for, and, and people talk about this big package. I think it's pretty s- similar to what they've been looking at this whole time. Like, well, what do we hear about JT Miller? They want one difference-making prospect. I still think it's the same thing. Like, it's a difference-making yeah. player. As much as we're focused on a defenseman, and that's something this team wants, obviously. They'd love to do it for a young centerman as well. But I think that's what it is. Like, I don't think Vancouver is caught up on trying to get the biggest package possible. I think it's still very much what it's been, even going back to the JT stuff. Can we get that one guy we were looking for? I'm not sure Colorado's trading Bowen Byron. You know, and it just comes down to what team is willing to trade their top prospect or one of their top young players that they really like. That's what Vancouver wants. And is there a team that gets desperate enough to do so at some point? Because last year, the Rangers didn't do it. And Colorado had a chance to go after guys like that and ended up going after guys like Manson, going after Lekkanen, where they didn't have to pay that premium. Yeah. Well, and I think that that's a big thing, too. Like, because, you know, for you know when you're getting Bo Horvat, you're getting a guy that in – as a trade deadline, you're going to obviously he's going to be a rental player for a little bit and then just kind of see what happens. But are you, are you willing to commit to this player and what contender is going to look at Bo Horvat and say, okay, are we going to give up, you know, whatever it is, a young guy that, you know, we could win with years from now to just try and win this season. And it's, it's a tough conversation. And like you mentioned, you know, guys like Lekin and, you know, the teams there, there are teams around that are looking for players like that. You know, they want to add a guy. They're going to have to pay north of seven, and a half million dollars to when the season's over and if you have those guys they're probably rfas already and they're already on your team mm-hmm. right those, those those premier players so it's an interesting one because it's one that's definitely like like i mentioned is until something happens we're going to have to keep talking about it week in and week out especially if you keep scoring yeah well, I mean, yeah, and I mean, the, the school goal scoring doesn't seem to be going down anytime soon. Already up at 20 no. goals. 20 goals. It's insane. 26 minutes into the season. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely on a heater. Hey, Irv, uh, before we let you go, how about them Seahawks? Are they going to win the division? I hope so. Well, they're, the 49ers are what? They're going with Mr. Irrelevant? No Baker? What? Okay, what's Baker going to do in L.A.? Is he going to L.A.? Or was that or yeah, was they that a Yeah, they claimed him. Or was, they that claim a, him? Yeah. Or, or was that a Rams move to make mm. sure the 49ers didn't get him? 
I think I, I did see a report today that the Rams were the only claim in on Baker Mayfield. So there you go. I mean, okay. and, and what team is more desperate than than the Rams right now? Probably no. Team. Well, you got to be to get Baker. <laughs> but yeah, I agree. Um, but yeah, I, I you know I think that one game back of the 49ers and uh, a chance to beat them still to come. So of course, yeah. Plus, plus Denver is just terrible. Like, Denver's got to play KC twice more, too. That's great. Well, it's two L's there for sure. Yeah, they're not going to get to five wins. I think the the biggest thing is the draft draft pick's just the best part, too. Oh, it's it's fantastic. I'm watching Broncos games more often than I'm watching Seahawks games. (laughs) Just for the high pick. You just want to see it burn, throw gas on the fire. It's okay. It's okay. I'm the same way. So, uh, are you guys keeping Geno or drafting a quarterback? Keep Geno, man. Probably keeping Geno. Yeah, you're probably keeping Geno. I, I can't wait for the Seahawks to regret that decision. Three-year deal with outs, man. That's and what and you you're not going to draft a quarterback this year? No. I still draft a quarterback? 2024. 2024. What? I thought this year was a quarterback class year. So is next year. Man, keep put, keep kicking that can down the road. Keep putting up MVP seasons. Well, How about that? We wrote a, Everyone wrote them off. Now the yeah, exactly. Back after this season. So. Then now, now they're going to write back with, with zeros on the contract. We have to write back with, we have to write yeah. back yeah. with some hands. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Earth, uh, always a pleasure, man. Uh, go and do whatever it is you do in the rest of the night. <laughs> All right, gentlemen, do well. All right. uh, that's Irfan the fourth fourth period. Uh, always a pleasure getting him, getting him on the show, and I know we'll dig into uh, the Canuck stuff a bit more on the other side as well. But I I hate being like the boring insider, but that's kind of been like my moniker the past like couple of weeks, couple of months with everything going on with the team. It's like, yeah, I, I'm hearing all the same stuff about what they want to do, what they're looking to do, but I'm getting no sense that anything is imminent. And even on uh, the the Besser stuff. Essentially, you know, I saw Pierre LeBron mention something similar to that. Hey, teams are want them to retain salary. Why do you think the Canucks grant the permission to the agent? Because this is what they're looking at, and it's like we're not interested in, in any of these things. You think you can find something better? Go ahead. You know, and and, and I'm not, this comes off as being acrimonious the way I'm describing it. 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 It's Maybe it's not, but it's more just hey, like we understand you guys want to change too, and you want to help out. Go and help out because we we've done what we can, and this is what we're looking at, and we're not enticed. By, by these options in front of us. If it's such a pressing need to create a new destination for Brock, it still has to fit into the parameters of what the Canucks want to do. They're not just going to do it just to say, oh, all right, you want out? Well, we'll, we'll retain half and we'll, we'll, we'll make it easier for everyone. Yeah. It's about finding the trade that makes sense for the Vancouver Canucks. And again, if it's such a pressing need to get out, and I'm not suggesting that there's been a massive trade request, but then, okay, you go help find something that, we haven't been able to unearth yet. Well, and the, the thing to not forget about this, because this organization ended up making three sizable bets this offseason. The big one was, of course, JT Miller signing. The next one was the McKayev free agent signing. And the other one was the Brock Besser extension. Well, the Brock Besser extension doesn't happen unless you rate the player to some degree. Yes, they're all open to trading him. Yes, they want to make some changes. But one of the reasons they brought him back was they believe the player is talented. They believe the player can do better than what he's shown. And they rate the player with value, which means if they're holding on to him, they think can give them something. But if they're trading him, they want something back in return that they think is valuable. Because right now you're trading him at his low. So as much as the Besser stuff's going on, you may just have to wait to the offseason. Maybe something changes. And again, once if you make the Bo Horvat decision and you make that trade already, now all of a sudden Vancouver is not leveraged against the other teams. We talked about this yesterday. So they're not going to look at Vancouver and say, well, we're not going to bail you out because Vancouver doesn't have to do anything anymore once they make that one deal. And maybe that changes the landscape. But realistically, 
Bester, the way the season is going, the best case scenario is he has a strong year, finishes the season off. You get to the offseason, cap goes up a little bit. And now, not only can you trade him, maybe you get something tangible back in return. And the point I was kind of making to Earth there is the, 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 the trade market isn't just built around Vancouver. From a team's perspective, say whatever the price is on, on Brock, right? Let's just say it's $1, just, just to kind of put a frame of reference here. Are you also going to check in on Carolina to say, hey, what's the RFA status of Marty Natchez, who's having mm-hmm. a great season, but are you willing to pay a buck fifty worth more to get a different style asset? Jesper Bratt, we know that contract's been kind of acrimonious yeah. to solve with New Jersey. Do they try to solve that? Troy Terry's having a better season, but that RFA situation is mm-hmm. going to come to a head at some point. Or do you say, well, these are the the term deals that we look at. Do we go say Kevin LeBanc, who's having a similar season? It's cheaper than Brock, or do we pay? 80 cents on the dollar for what we would for Brock. Mm. Tarasenko's UFA. Where's St. Louis? Are they slipping out of the playoffs? Do you go do the rental thing? There's different ways to play this for other teams. It's not just about Brock's the only winger. If they want a winger, you can go about it in so many different different spots across the league. Even throw Sam Reinhart. What yeah. if Florida slips out? They're, they're looking to do something. They're almost identical production, almost identical price tag. And it's another year as well, so... There's so many guys for other teams who drive the, their asset down on trying to give up something for Brock, and that's why waiting just might be the most prudent strategy. And we'll delve into this more on the other side as well, because we talked about it with Earth a little bit. The Canucks want to get value on both. They want to get value on Brock Besser. We'll talk about some other destinations, potentially, or teams that might be interested in that. But who, who are some players they would take L on to move? We'll talk about that, and also Canucks goaltending. Martin and Delia, that's the combo. You got a bit of a taste of it against the Montreal Canadiens. What else is in store for the net miners? We'll delve into that and more as Canucks Central rolls on on the home of your Canucks, Sportsnet 650. Back in on Canuck Central, coming to you live from the Kintech studio, Satin Bick on Sportsnet 650. And this hour of Canuck Central is brought to you by Andrew Sherrod Limited, your plumbing and heating wholesaler, a proud family-owned BC company, helping local business since 1892. If you missed the first hour of the podcast, make sure to go and check it out. Uh, we had an open segment where we talked about Elias Pettersson and his rise up the hierarchy of National Hockey League centermen, how he may rate compared to a player in the division who's considered one of the best centermen in the league in Jack Eichel. We also got into what's the latest on Bull Horvat and potential destinations, which we'll continue discussing here, and we'll get into some other things as well. Now, we also spoke to Earth in the previous segment, and he also mentioned something about a Canuck defenseman. We'll get to that coming up as well in this segment. But um, as promised, before we delve into some of the goaltending stuff and um, and some of the stuff on the back end and trade-wise, what we saw um, last year with Vancouver looking to try to make a trade was two teams that kept coming up. Mm-hmm. One we talked about in the first segment, of course, the Colorado Avalanche. It never really got anywhere. The team that you you we probably say was the hottest in pursuit for JT Miller, or at least most public in, in the reporting, because we heard so much, we all kind of heard stuff about, was the New York Rangers. If we're looking at contenders that have 
a desire to perhaps do something. And we talked about how Nathan McKinnon gone for four weeks, five out of their top six forwards are injured in Colorado. They're holding on to the second wild card spot. They just won a Stanley Cup. How motivated are they to try to stem the bleeding? And are they a team that's interested in Bo and what could they look to do? We talked about Byram and all that stuff. Now, the New York Rangers. That's a team that last year seemingly matured in the postseason. Heck, they almost took it, uh, went to the cup final, up 2-0 against the Tampa Bay Lightning. They looked like they figured it all out. Hey, Koppel Cockle came aligned. Alexis Lafreniere showed something. Hell, even Philip Hedl mm-hmm. was playing well for that team. Not to mention guys like Kreider and, of course, Zibanejad and just everything that team was doing. The back end loaded. They didn't want to trade away Braden and Schneider. And they have a bunch of right-hand defensemen with, with Adam Fox and, of course, Jacob Truba as well. That team this year is really struggling. And when you look at how hard it's going to be to make the postseason in the Eastern Conference, and especially in the division, the Atlantic division, where the Rangers find themselves in, they're not at panic time yet, but considering the buzz around the Rangers, if you're looking at a team that would maybe be desperate to do something, the Rangers would rank pretty high on that list, Bic. For sure. Uh, Such is the nature of the NHL, right? Things can flip pretty fast for you in just 27 games. The tenor of the conversation around the Rangers completely different. Now they're above five hundred, right? So they they they're handling some of their business, but for sure. But you, point percent. You always talk about yeah, point no, percentage, Vic. I, I say, look, I wouldn't say about in relation to the playoffs. I said they're above five hundred, <laughs> but Detroit's point percentage is much better. Yeah, they've had three games in hand as well, and Detroit. they've got games in hand. Pittsburgh, who's had kind of a weird season mm-hmm. so far, their point percentage significantly better, and games in hand. Florida behind them, games in hand. You kind of look at this and say, man, there's a bunch of teams in and around Rangers who, even despite their struggles, they're also not getting a lot of favors around them in the Eastern Conference. So the points percentage is really the thing to look at because they've played so many more games. Are they kind of feeling the pressure? I know I just mentioned the Panthers, but like they're not really playing that great either. That's a team, President's Trophy winner. Mm-hmm. Suddenly, they're looking at themselves outside the playoff picture, even by way of points percentage. So it, it's, it's dicey for a couple of teams uh, right now that last year were so strong. And even this year, you'd probably say, yeah, they're going to the playoffs. The Islanders have made a big jump. The Red Wings continue to be competitive. Uh, and and the Bruins didn't take a fall that a lot of people thought they might in the first two months of the season. All right. And so you're right. The Rangers are a team that would have that type of motivation. Uh, somebody texted in, a bunch of people texted in and asked, what about the uh, JT Miller? Can the Canucks still trade him and sign Bo? And what about the Rangers with JT? Okay, listen, possibilities, sure, maybe does exist. The thing that's complicating things for the Rangers is they signed Vinny Trocek to a contract mm-hmm. this offseason. And yeah, 5.625 on the cap, but it was a seven-year contract. That's a big commitment they made. That's kind of the number, like, for for a team that still has to sign Andre Miller, and we'll see what happens with guys like Lafreniere and everything, but they have a few young guys that eventually might have to get paid a little bit of money. And I'm not sure adding JT's $8 million cap hit next season without them moving money out makes sense for them. Because they already made a commitment to Vinny Trocek. But on Bo Horvat, because he's a rental, that would make a lot more sense. The question is, would the Rangers be willing to give Vancouver more than what they were willing to give for JT Miller, which never got a deal done? And Niels Lindquist, who would have been the central figure in that trade, has been traded away. Now, the Rangers do have an extra first-round pick. It's a lottery-protected pick from the Dallas Stars. Which suddenly looks like it might be a pretty high pick. Or, or low, pick. low pick, low first round pick in the twenties. I, I meant like. high twenties. Yes, yes, yeah, high twenties, some, somewhere in that in that range. 
they have some prospects, of course. Suddenly, the Rangers pick is more valuable than the it Stars is. pick. It is. Like, obviously, because there's no limit on the Rangers yeah. pick right now, unless they decide to limit it if they're trading it. I don't know if they're trading Braden Schneider, but does that change at some point? I, I don't know if it does, because they've been staunch and not doing so. Like, they've been staunch and not wanting to trade Braden Schneider. I don't know if that changes. They, they weren't ready to do it. I think Vancouver, and I said this before, would have done a one-for-one for, one for JT Miller. So I think if they do one for if they offer him for Bo, I think they make the deal. I don't think they would do that. But the Rangers, to me, are the only other team right now that may be desperate enough. The question I just have, though, and this goes back to how complicated this whole situation is, are the Rangers willing to give Vancouver more than what they're willing to offer for JT Miller? Because that's what's going to have to take. Like, Brennan Ottman I, is a guy. Yeah. I'm not sure they're trading him, though. But he's a guy that I think Vancouver would be very interested in, considered a very high-level um, winger prospect. He's not a center, but a very well-thought-of young player with a lot of talent. Yeah, and just going back to blue chippers. Yes. Right? Like, wherever you can find them. Like, this team just needs more talent everywhere. I I, I would be a bit more... Uh, I don't know if squeamish is the right word, but I'd say, you know, you, you've got this one big bullet. Yeah. To try to solve two problems, mm-hmm. defense and center. center. Yeah, I don't know if that's. I, I'm not sure if I want to use the Horvat asset to solve a winger issue. I'm with you on that. And so, but I get it. You know, could be a good player. At the end of the day, like if if you're getting a guy you think can be elite, yes. Do you worry about it too much? And, and that's part of the equation. And look, we just mentioned Ottman. I'm not even sure Vancouver views him as elite, but a very good player. But even the teams that are motivated, like like we talked about, here's where the complication comes in. Are the Rangers a team that hasn't shown in the past willing to pay that premium asset price? Same thing with the Colorado Avalanche. Now, what might be different with Colorado, and you made this point, they're missing a big difference maker on this team. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's all well and good to say, yeah, go and get the other Lekkonen and get the other Josh Manson. Guys who kind of are six forwards, fifth forwards, fourth defensemen. But you're kind of missing a big integral piece that's no longer there. Pairing those guys with Nazem Kadri, yes, or pairing those guys with... Nathan McKinnon is different than pairing them with Evan Rodriguez. And I really like Evan Rodriguez as a yeah. player. Probably miscast as a second-line center. But pair Lekkonen with Bo Horvat and Nachushkin with Bo Horvat, different conversation all of a sudden. And that's the equation that I think the Colorado Avalanche are going to have to solve at some point. But I, I don't look at that and say, can you keep biting around the edges because the rest of the depth is so good. Mm-hmm. You probably need to replace the Nazem Kadri role. And that's the thing that they didn't really, they tried to do it by, you know, in the aggregate. Yeah. But you still probably need one more premium player uh, in that spot. And just someone with a bit more uh, finishing ability, just, just a more natural right. player. So, yeah, absolutely. But, and, and here's the problem, like, and we're kind of building towards this here with this discussion the Canucks aren't able to get the Keandre Miller-Schneider types, or they haven't been mm-hmm. able to get them so far. One-for-one one type deals. Sam poses this question on the text inbox. If the Canucks, or comment, I would say, if the Canucks want Byram, it'll cost more than Horvat. What are you willing to do if Horvat isn't enough on, him, on, his, on his own to get you that one player, a Bowen-Byram type, Braden Schneider type, that type of player? What would we be looking at potentially? Again, if we're talking blue chippers, 
If, if we're talking blue chippers, I, I'm willing to extend a little bit further. So what else are you throwing in to get that play? Essentially, if you call Colorado and McFarland and Sackick are like, Byron's not going to happen unless you're throwing in this. I'm immediately saying, what's this? What like, is this? Yeah. Tell me what it is that you want. And how ridiculous is it? Okay, run run me through second pieces here. I said Jack Rathbone. Yes, I do it. Like, Rathbone and Bo gets you Bo and Byron. I'm not reporting that. I'm just yeah, saying. No, just, yeah. I'd do that. You fall, on that, you yeah. fall on that sword pretty fast. Yes, I do that. I would even go so far to say, again, like, the, the, the retaining money on Bo, too, is just... Just the one year, it doesn't matter. You cave on that immediately if you're the Canucks. Just get, like, get, get it, if you get the extra asset, why you, not? You almost offer it right away. Be like, yeah. hey, we'll retain 50% on Bo. If you're going to offer us a blue chipper, we'll do what any whatever we can to make it palatable for you. And if I have to throw in a Jack Rathbone, and I, if there's anything that you want, like no draft picks, but if there's any non-Hughes, Miller, Mikheyev, Kuzmenko, Pedersen, put Colson, player that you want on mm-hmm. this roster, and Demko. Whatever you want, throw in Byram and and give us an extra piece because we're retaining. We're giving you more for depth. Yes, you you cave on a bunch of stuff real fast. Well, I would too. I mean, you you outlined it. The stuff you're not moving are the obvious ones. The the rest, I I can see a trade that would work out. That, that I mean, I could see a trade that would make sense because Rathbone is not a guy that steps into that team and helps him right away because he just hasn't shown that. But yet. It, it's 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 superstar coverage. It is. Basically. It is. Co- yeah, you're getting you can a, a guy you view as potentially blue chipper too. Maybe he can be something. He's a left hand defenseman too. We're trading a lefty. All that stuff. Now, the, the other thing too, though, um, about that, they still need a defenseman for them to play this year. You know who, who's a guy I think could fit what Colorado wants? Who plays the left side can play the right side as well. When he gets healthy, is Travis Dermott? It kind of profiles like skates well, can join the rush. You know, is good at athletic, not amazing defensively, but with how they play, he kind of fits in with how that team wants to play. Only makes one point five. Like, I would, I would work on a deal, and if it means you have to throw something else in to make a bigger package for you to get that blue chipper, do it. And that's what I would do as well. I mean, if if it's Rathbone, Dermott, and you're getting something else too, maybe a mm-hmm. mid round pick or another prospect or something, like make it a bigger deal. Absolutely. And I think that's your best way of convincing a team like Colorado to give you that one piece. It's you're getting a prospect too, and plus you're getting a guy who's going to give you maybe you know 50% of what Byram gives you. But you have Sam Girard healthy. Your top four is still pretty stout. You're still looking at a very strong top six here with guys that can help you out. I think that's what you might be looking at if you truly want that blue chipper type of player. Uh, yeah, people texting in, uh, just just mentioning about Byram's. Injury history. Yeah. Which is a fair thing to bring up, right? And especially, you know, here in this, in this city, we're talking about Furland and Pullman, and, and some of these injury histories have bitten the Canucks a little bit here. But the reward is so huge, right? Mm-hmm. That, and, and, and honestly, to me, this is just an example. It doesn't have to be um born no, of course and again like because what what is happening here is Vancouver wants to get forget about the players again and this is just the overarching point Vancouver wants that premium piece back in return and that's what you want of course if you're making a trade hey getting a late first round pick getting a b plus prospect getting a third line type player no no thank you that's just volume it doesn't matter like g- give us something here that we can build around is what the organization is looking at so that's what what you're focused on and if because JT wasn't enough to get that piece. The trade would have been done. Mm-hmm. Same thing with Bo. So far, it hasn't happened. Maybe that does happen at some point. How far are you willing to go to leverage that piece to get 
what you the want back in return. Chipper. Yeah. And that's kind of what you might be fa- faced with here because you're seeing across the league, Bic, teams are very reluctant trading their best prospects. It's just not happening, especially with the, the value of entry-level contracts. Teams are willing to trade players they're not, they don't believe in. Like, think the, the Giroud trade. Yeah. Like, even just getting Owen Tippett was yeah. kind of like pulling teeth. Yes. And the circumstances for Florida to even get Giroud were no trade clause and specifically positioning to go to Florida. Colorado was in mm-hmm. the mix, obviously, as, as yeah. we remember, but Giroux wanted to go to Florida, and the the market got so slim that even then, Florida was like, all right, we'll give up Tippett. But like by and large, yeah, you don't see a lot of high-end prospects go. And even Niels Lundqvist, a guy that was expendable, deemed expendable, but because he's considered a good prospect, the Rangers still got a first-round pick out of it. And that guy demanded a trade. Mm-hmm. And there are there are players teams are willing to move, but usually it's the guys that the mar- the the consensus is kind of dropped on. It's like, hey, that we'd rather have the pick than this player because it's clear it's kind of fading. The guys that teams believe in, like even Peyton Krebs, sure, Vegas almost didn't give him up for Jack Eichel. And now suddenly, it's like, suddenly it's like, well, what were we even thinking, worrying? Well, we this? should have done that a lot sooner. Yeah, and and it may not always work out for you. But that's kind of where you're at. And we have a lot of reaction on this, 650-650, calling from Caribou. I'm driving Rathbone to the airport for that deal. Uh, TR, TR and Courtney says, are you kidding me, Byron for Bo? No way in heck do I make that trade. Keep Bo Horvat. Well, again, it comes down to if you can't sign Bo Horvat, you got to trade Bo Horvat. If you're trading Bo Horvat, you have to get the best return possible. What are you willing to do to get the best return possible? Or are you willing to say, you know what, screw it. Just get whatever you can. Keep those other assets. Um, nothing extra for Byram, a premium center in his prime for an albeit great right handy, but scary future of injuries. No, thank you. So there is obviously, um, it's a polarizing discussion because you're getting a bit of both. But if you want to make a trade, like there's nothing perfect out there. Mm-hmm. There's going to be risk in whatever the Canucks do. Whatever trade they make, there's going to be risk. Whatever path they take, there's going to be it's risk. Life. You have to be willing to lose a trade. And you have to be willing to lose a signing and lose a year. Like you have to be willing to take that risk for you to get the changes you want. And this reluctance and this this fear of losing trades, of fear of losing a player, you gotta go get over that, you know. And yeah, this trade may may blow up in your face, but they're gonna have to make some deals. Like you can't come back with everything else that you have, and there's gonna be some risk. And people want to rebuild, guys. A rebuild is trading and making a bunch of trades. Mm-hmm. It's hard for you to get value on rebuilds all, always. You're going to lose some trades. If you make 10 trades in a rebuild, chances are you'll lose four to five of them. One thing. Uh, actually, two things. Uh, but on the Byram, you know, the injury stuff too. Is that not then also part of the opportunity to get, to, to get a player like that? Because... It's like hidden upside. And if the upside was available for everyone to see, well, then the opportunity to acquire the guy would have, would have already been taken or the opportunity to, to to have the player would already be snatched up by someone else. Like That's where a little bit of risk also exists for teams who try to capitalize on opportunities. To say, hey, this may have opened up a window where a very good player wouldn't be otherwise available. Yeah, and there's an inherent risk on it because – the guys like Brandon, they're not just they're just not trading them. Yeah. Like there's not trading those types of guys. And Minor Madden Abbasford says, isn't Byram a lefty? Great point. He, he is. He is lefty. I was, I was gonna correct the other person on that. Yeah, he is a lefty. But even if he is a lefty, like Vancouver needs top four defensemen. OEL long term, heck, is he even gonna be here next year? Do you buy him out? 
If you're Rathbone, is he really a top four guy? We'll see how he comes in. They don't have like you need defensemen. As much as a righty is what you really want, you want a blue chip defenseman more than anything else. And I think no matter what, that's that's something that works out. Brandon says, would Columbus consider Yurichek for Horvat? I don't think so. Why would they? Columbus is last place right now. Yeah, I mean, for a guy they have to give a big contract to when they're not ready, it just those guys aren't getting traded. Sorry, last place in the East. Yeah, I just don't see those guys getting traded. And if they are, you <laughs> jump on it. In a heartbeat, you know, and, and that's kind of where it's at. Now, uh, there is a comparable to Besser, Fiala. He got a top prospect in a first. Kevin Fiala was producing at a far, far different rate. Far different rate. And, Kevin Fiala scored 30 goals last year. And just functionally driving and he's faster play. player, yeah. And, yeah, he's an exciting player. And we've talked about it, too. Uh, if you're looking for... He had 85 points. Yeah. Brock Besser is, hasn't even hit 60. Has he hit 60 points in a year yet? I don't think so. He hasn't hit 30 goals. I mean, it's we're, I get it. You can make the comparison overall value players. Brock Besser, and I know he's been on pace for all these numbers and everything, but he's never crested 56 points. You know, he's never crested, he's never hit 30 goals. Kevin Fiala had a 33-goal, 85-point season. Plus, he's lightning fast. And I actually think he's a bit of more flawed than, I'm not I'm not the biggest Kevin Fiala guy, actually. Like, I, I kind of, I didn't love that trade. Love that guy. But, there's a, I'd say they're considered different classes of players right now. So um, that's why you're not looking at that for Besser. Um, where Vancouver finds itself as far as trying to position itself for the playoffs. And, and hey, listen, we talked about the 500 thing, playoff run thing. Is is their goaltending even going to, even if they play better hockey, bit, mm-hmm. is, is the Canucks goaltending going to prevent them from getting Last that high pick was, no matter uh, what? Last night was in no way reassuring of what we're going to see here yeah. moving forward. That was wild. Uh, Spencer Martin, who's been very impressive, uh, managed to pick up points, really struggled yesterday. Mm-hmm. And then Colin Delia comes in, and look, I understand bullets are flying around all over you, and and and, he, and you're just trying to survive a little bit. But he was a little all, all over the place. And he was was kind of fortunate to uh, only give up the goals that he did. We'll talk to um, Woodley tomorrow. Yeah. But it'll be fun to kind of get his thoughts on how Delia is making this transition, which I, I, by, by everything Woodley's ever said, like it takes time. It does, and honestly, like when, when I watch Colin Delia through training uh, in training camp a bit and in the preseason, I actually like a lot of what I see. He, there's a lot of power in his game. He's athletic. Mm-hmm. He he's fast. He's got power. He gets post to post quickly. There's a lot of stuff there that that's that you like. But it's going to take some time for it all to come together. Even Spencer Martin took some time for it to come together and have success in Vancouver and. And even the goals that went in on Spencer Martin, I'm sure we talked to Woodley. He's probably going to look at it and say none of them were really bad, but he didn't make that extra save. And I don't think you can expect him to make the extra save con- con- continually all the time. So, you know, when we're sitting here and talking about assets for the Canucks and, you know, I, I push back on the notion of this team is going to be a bottom five team. The way you get there is if you have substandard goaltending. Like your best way to get to a bottom five record is injuries and substandard goaltending. That's what's kind of funny about the crowd that's like, Go make changes because it, it's also the crowd that wants them to, you know, tank and start rebuilding. Well, so you're, you're kind of getting what you want. I know they won last night, but the way they're playing right now and the goaltending they're getting, this is kind of a perfect storm. It's very, very possible this team goes two and seven in yeah. their next nine games. I mean, it could easily happen. And they should do better. But with goaltending, like... And one thing that happened in the game, Vancouver, 
against Montreal played really well for the first 10 minutes. They were dominant. Shots Creating were... 9-1. Yeah. 9-1, and they had like three chances to none. Two glorious chances. The one Hoaglander won, mm-hmm. he couldn't get a, get the shot high enough. It would have been a sure goal. Uh, there was another chance they had early on in that game as well. Um, both of those chances were glorious. Neither one went in. The one, the um, So, and then as soon as that first goal goes in, it was almost like the team kind of like... Sunk his shoulders a bit, and hey, maybe you have to run a play, and yeah. maybe it's just how these guys have been this year. They don't have a lot of confidence, and that happens. But it was it was four nothing quick. It was four nothing quick, and it was like, oh, we don't have any chance in this game again. Like, what is the level of confidence? As much as everybody talks about best smart and they feel good about, it, I mean, neither of these goalies have really stood on their head. The numbers don't look great, no matter what. It's it was a bit of a reality check, despite the fact that Canucks won the game. That the goaltending can be a real adventure, and that wasn't a tough opponent. The opponents get tougher. Mm-hmm. You know, and even against the Vegas Golden Knights, that game uh, Martin won and he got a lot of credit for. He was kind of swimming in that game and Vegas just didn't take advantage. And I still give him credit. Like, you know, he still got it done. He won the game and everything. But I, I think that the goalie concerns, we haven't talked about a lot. Like the Demko injury, we, we joked with Don Taylor yesterday that it's kind of been a quiet storyline, despite the fact he's such an important piece for this team. I think that storyline is going to change pretty quickly. And as much as he struggled... I think people will realize without him, there's still a lot of problems with this team. Going against San Jose will be one thing, obviously, uh, tomorrow night. But then it's you know, Minnesota. They're a desperate team. Calgary, they're a desperate team. they got to start correcting their season. Winnipeg's been so good this season. St. Louis, okay, what are they right now? But then you play Seattle. But suddenly a strong team this year. Edmonton, going against McDavid and Drysaddle is never an easy night. So... Uh, the, the, these next uh, two weeks here, three weeks leading up to Christmas, are uh, going to be interesting for the Vancouver Canucks. Yeah, it will be uh, very, very interesting. Now, uh, keep getting your thoughts coming into our Dunbar Lumber Text Inbox, 650-650. We'll answer some of your questions. We'll keep the discussion going on the Vancouver Canucks and what else is happening around the National Hockey League. It is Sat and Bick on Canucks Central on Sportsnet 650.